DC fandom. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Uh, certainly going to be interesting this time of year. I was, this, thinking, this year. I was thinking, oh, wow, this is going to be so friggin' cool. And then yesterday happened. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> what is, like, I mean, to be fair, I remember we were talking about this when HBO Max was announced. Mm-hmm. And then, and that was going to go to like Crave TV and stuff like that. I remember we were kind of discussing like what exactly would happen with DC Universe. Um, we never thought it, this would happen. <laughs> we never thought no. that they would basically gut almost the entire division and pretty much leave it up in the air as to what's happening. I mean, from the sounds of it, the TV shows that were on there are just going to be moved over to HBO Max. Which, okay, fine. Um, yeah. I'm assuming whatever agreements they had with Netflix, those aren't going to change, you know, unless they're really pushing HBO Max. Yeah. In time in Canada, which, I mean, I know is a little bit different than in the States, but uh, yeah, yeah. And then all the the editorial staff. Yeah, like a third of the staff were laid off. Uh, to be fair... With uh, some of those editor editors, like the editor in chief in particular, I mean, some of the people that they kept on there for longer than they needed to were problematic writers and artists that had histories where it looked like they were hiding, or at least not necessarily. You know what I'll say? Condoning uh, any of the Me Too movement and stuff like that. Like Scott LaBelle was one that had a history, and Eddie. Organza, I believe, was another one who was, uh, and they didn't really do much of anything other than just not talk about it and keep them on the payroll. Where it's like, no, get them out, get them out. You know, it's like I said with the wrestling one. I'm happy that people are talking about all these uh, wrestlers that are doing these horrible things because it gets them out of the industry and away from these situations, and also doesn't have young people coming up saying, "Oh, it's okay to do this kind of stuff." Yeah. You know, um, it is scary for the for the state of actual physical comic books. But I mean, DC has been doing some weird shit all year long, though. I mean, uh, COVID hit and they immediately pulled out from Diamond Distributors. They decided to get their comics distributed through two new companies that were owned by Midtown Comics and Discount Comic Book Service which means that all comic book retailers, like all small stores have to buy from their competition to sell, which like people were furious, like store owners are furious. Gary's not oh, too yeah. bad. He was telling me because we're in Canada, it's a little different, but the American comic stores are fucking pissed about this. So, I mean, that, that right off the bat, I was like, that's really weird. Like that is just yeah. that's <clears throat> strange. Um, but then I guess, I guess that's Warner wanting to save money or make more money by right. doing their own shit. It just seems like it's just like this continuous like domino effect of them knocking down the comic industry, the DC comic industry more and more and more. And well, like, I hope it doesn't become non-existent, but whew, I don't know. I don't know. It's rough. Man. I actually, well, I mean, to be fair, uh, Marvel's not doing so making like smart moves either like they're talking about bringing hollywood agents in like kevin feige to oversee comics the comic line so that it's 
literally the comics that you see on the shelves are of the people you see in the movies, and then that's it. Yeah. That's so a you, idea. That's a horrible idea. It's absolutely an awful idea. I mean, it's I shouldn't say that. It's a good idea in the sense for the people that don't read comic books, watch the movies, and then say, hey, I want to check out the comic books. But I think devote a line to that. Say, hey, if you exactly. like the movies, then you'll like this specific line of comic books. I'm okay with I, a line. That's fine. It's like I'm I understand if you uh were watching you know, Captain America, and you're saying, hey, man, these are great. I want to look at the comic books. And then at the time, you go, oh, Sam Wilson's Captain America. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, that's, I guess that's cool. It's not what I wanted to read. So, I mean, I can understand that disconnect, but to totally gut the whole lineup just to mirror the movies I, is crazy. Um, or just bringing in Hollywood agents like Kevin Feige to actually sit there and say, this is what we're going to do just because it translated well in movies doesn't mean it's going to translate in comic books, but I will uh, say this, this COVID-19 stuff, unfortunately, as much as I hate to say this, uh, I think COVID sped up the process. Oh yeah. I, I mean, cause we've been talking, you and I both have been saying for a while now that, we don't believe that comic books are physically going to be in our hands 50 years from now. So it's not something that I, I was like, Oh man, they're totally, it's, it's going to go digital. It's going to go completely digital at some point very soon. Um, I just think like if this sped up the process to the point of like maybe 10 years from now, we would have been saying like, Oh, you know what? You can't actually buy a physical comic book anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas now we might be at this four to five year mark where they're just like, you know, like I I honestly think at this point Warner is going to just make superhero movies, TV shows, games, and that the comics are the last of their concern. Like I to- like I was saying to you, like Disney when they took over Marvel, they took all their young. Uh, young reader lines, all the Marvel mm-hmm. hero lines, they had the Spider-Man, the Kitty, all the Kitty looking comics, and they gave it all to IDW, like IDW's releasing all those now. Which I didn't even realize, when you told me that, yeah. I was like, oh wow, because like, you use that as a backup to your idea that they'll just, that DC or Warner Brothers will outsource their characters, exactly. and I thought that's crazy, but then I was like, oh well, I mean, if Marvel's already doing it, or sorry, Disney's already doing it, then why wouldn't They're they? saving money I guess by getting IDW, they're really ser- their characters. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> what's what's really to stop DC from one point going? Who's our what? We, these are the five top characters here. We'll get Boom Studios to make those comics, and DC's dead. See, I I don't know if they'll they'll get to that just yet. Um, I don't think I think what they'll do is they'll rebrand it, so it'll no longer be DC. It'll just be Batman, and then that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's literally, I think the DC comic books is comprised of, I think, what like fifty percent Batman and Batman-related characters. Like, if yep. you count Batman and, uh, well, all the Batman characters. So Batman, Nightwing, Red Red Hood, Damien's Robin, Harley, and everyone else in between you probably look at like 50% of the entire book run is just Batman. Yeah. Which is crazy. There's so much Batman. <laughs> you know? 
Uh, you got a small pocket of uh, Superman only because Bendis is like working his magic, I guess you could say. <laughs> you could say it with that face right there. <laughs> I've never so quickly turned on a writer, especially one like Bendis, where, like, I mean, this is a guy that wrote one of my favorite Spider Man runs, okay? This is a guy that um, like reintroduced really cool takes on older characters like Luke Cage and, and like the new Avengers was insane. Like, like there's a lot of good daredevil, the daredevil run daredevil alias miles Morales. This guy like created so much like, big at Marvel right now. And yeah, exactly. Miles Morales. Like you're just like, man, like, can this guy do anything wrong? And then when he goes over to, to DC, I was like, oh, we're going to get some really good Batman. We didn't <laughs> oh, get any good Batman. Wrong. He can do wrong. <laughs> you know? And then, then I thought, okay, well, we got Spider-Man or Superman. So I'm like, okay, well, I mean, if it's anything remotely close to his Spider-Man, it'll be really good. It is god-awfully terrible. It's like he hates Superman, for one. Loves John Kent. Wants John Kent to be the main Superman so badly. Oh, I can't. I can't do this. No. Hates I, I, the fact that Superman and Lois Lane are married, even though they just brought them back together. I can't believe that Bendis and Maliev are working on a Superman comic at DC. It's like, oh. Uh, well, no, they're not working on a Superman comic, but the, that Leviathan stuff. Well, they did that stuff. Yeah, that which whatever it was, Leviathan Rising or something. Who cares? Uh, Honestly, who cares? The whole thing is garbage like bendis got his start in street level comic books right like goldfish jinx fortune and glory all these amazing indie street level comics that got him well got him into ultimate spidey at first which, well even powers was street level and it's powers yeah powers was street level just more superhero street level but still yes. and then like like i rest i said daredevil was incredible yeah, that was one of the best runs I've ever read in my entire life. It like wasn't, it's so good. It wasn't until he went on Avengers, the main Avengers title, where I started to like question how grave a writer he was. Because then he did, what was it? New Avengers, Mighty Avengers, Secret Avengers, Dark Avengers. He had all these Avenger titles going at the same time, and it was just, oh, and the, and it. Every single book was leading up to a big event in six months. This is going to change the Marvel Universe forever until six months from now. Yeah. We change it again forever. It's just. But I, I agree with you. New, uh, New Avengers was where I started to go, whoa. Because, like, the other part, too, was that then he definitely shifted to trade paperback writing. Yes. So it went from, like, you know, maybe one story's two or three uh, issues, another story might be just two issues. A big story might be six issues, right? Then all of a sudden, everything was like five issues, six issues, and that was it. It was kind Just of so it could fit kind of always like that, though, right? Like right from Ultimate Spidey. I remember Ultimate Spidey have like six issue arcs. There would be like a couple six issue arcs, and then he would have like a one shot that focused on some, like issue one to six told the Goblin story. That's right. Like seven to twelve was like Electro. Was that who he focused on after Goblin? I think it was Electro. Uh, I think you might be right. It's been a little while since I've uh, and number thirteen is that amazing one shot with Mary Jane, which is like still one of my favorite comic books of all time to this day. 
Yeah, I think it was just new uh, New Avengers is where I became more aware of it, actually. Yeah, yeah, New Avengers was rough. It'd but be then like again, two issues of nothing happening. <laughs> that's yeah. So it's like two issues of literal. It's like watching Dragon Ball Z, the edited version, where it's three episodes of Goku just powering up to become a Super Saiyan. And it's just two people talking. Like, that's a Bendis book right there. Three issues of them talking. Straight. (laughs) Like, that's it. And in between, you might see other stuff happening. But the main story is just the two of them just talking. And by the third issue, you're like, ah, what the fuck? Just go Super Saiyan already. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. uh, So, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like DC Fandom next week, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be, I don't know if they're going to really talk much about the comics. I think it's going to be a lot of movie stuff. Like Zack Snyder's Justice League will be there. Wonder Woman will be there. You know, Rocksteady's going to show off their Suicide Squad. Apparently, WB Montreal is going to be showing off a new Batman game at the same time. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, that'll be interesting. I'm not sure how I feel about Suicide Squad just yet, in all honesty. It's a tough call. I don't know. It- it is a tough call. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It, the premise is actually kind of cool where you're hunting down Superman, which is like, wow. Okay. All I right. So much. Everyone was like, Rocksteady, make a Superman game. And their response is to make a game where you go to kill Superman. <laughs> it's, it is pretty funny that that's their, that's their move. But uh, I mean, I will need to obviously hear more and see more of that. Uh, yeah. If uh, Warner Brothers... Montreal comes out with a Batman game. That's going to be something that I will definitely perk up for because Origins was actually a pretty solid game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I'm not going to watch any sort of spoilers for Zack Snyder's Justice League at all. No. I'm already pissed that apparently the Robin <laughs> that did die is in fact Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson, yep. So yeah. I heard that I was like, Zach, come on. You had a lot of goodwill with me. He confirmed I was that really... right on his uh, social media account. Someone said, what, which Robin is that? Didn't said, Dick. even blink. He went, Dick no. Grayson, I'm out. Yeah. I was like, man, are you serious? But then again, if any Robin's going to die and make Batman turn into a murderer, it'd be Dick Grayson. It'd be Dick Grayson. Yeah, 100%. It would be Jason Todd. Jason Todd, he'll lose some sleep over it, but he won't start mowing people down with shotguns. Yeah. Or driving his Batmobile in such a way that there's no way these people lived through it. (laughs) Uh. As soon as he said Dick Grayson, I was like, fuck you, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. But at least... You know, this now moving forward, you know for sure that there is no real continuity in the DCEU. So, yeah, at some point we might see a live action Dick Grayson that isn't on the Titans show. Well, the Titans show is doing a good job. It's doing a good job with the characters, not necessarily the stories. No, season two straight up was hard to get through for me. I love season one. Season two was just, I, I felt like it just kept going. I was like, oh man, they're still fighting Deathstroke. <laughs> the, uh, actually, like, I don't know. I like them both about the same because the issues that I have with the first one were changed, like, it made better in the second one, but the second one also has its own issues where it's just kind of like, 
Ah, okay. All right. Um, like I, I will talk about Titans now that you've watched both seasons, we'll talk about Titans on a future camcast. Uh, because mm-hmm. I've been itching to do that one for a while, so um, but I will say visually, Nightwing looked awesome. Yes, visually, when he threw on the Nightwing suit, I was like, Yeah, that's badass. Yeah, it's so badass, but I also love it too when uh, they make fun of it later. <laughs> <laughs> When the like Donna Troy goes like what the fuck and then he's just like well, you're not gonna make a comment on my suit and she's like I already did ah <laughs> like, oh, that is that's priceless but uh, but yeah so uh, needless to say yeah I think COVID just sped up the process I think we're gonna see physical books go away very soon the outsourcing idea that you have I think is interesting and uh, I mean to be fair if it works. And you still get comic books and you still get comic books written by people that actually care about the character. Like, you know, maybe not Bendis on a Superman book ever, or maybe have editors that like Dick Grayson instead of Rick Grayson. (laughs) You know? Uh, Oh, and Bendis should never touch Tim Drake ever again. Give him a slight costume tweak, change that name. Give me back Tim Drake. Come on, man. Make him Red Robin again. Put uh, Fabian Nicheza on the book and have him write Red Robin forever. Forever. Until he's and ever. not here anymore. <laughs> right, right. Right so. until the deathbed. Keep writing Robin. Keep writing Robin? No, Red Robin. Red Robin. Red Robin. I'm sorry. That's right. Because Robin now is Damian Wayne, and now the merchandise has changed. So remember uh, Tim Drake's Robin symbol? Yes. Iconic. Damien's is now what they use for marketing, and it's not as good. (laughs) (laughs) I was this close to buying a replacement wallet because it was a Robin wallet, and I didn't because it was Damien's symbol. Freaking Damien. It's not even his fault. It's just marketing, man. Yep. Oh, oh! Before I forget, because we're on the DC kick. Yeah. What is up with this DC interactive movie for Death and the Family? Isn't that messed? I, I spent the first half of the trailer going like, "Oh, okay." So it's kind of like choose your um, own picture. Like under the Red Hood, I was like, "Oh, they're doing bits of Under the Red Hood," and the animation is similar but not quite the same. And it, they look like they're trying to get a lot of the same voice work. And then they're like interactive. And I was like, oh, this is stupid. <laughs> I don't even think they should have called the death in the family. They should have just said, you know, Batman, an interactive movie and left it at that. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, seeing Jason Unless- Todd in the red Robin suit with guns, I was like, what the fuck? Hopefully it's an option. Hopefully you can like watch the movie or do the interactive. Well, I feel like it's like uh, like that Netflix uh, Bandersnatch. And what was it? Oh, um, Breakable Kimmy Schmidt did an interactive one too, but I haven't watched that because I haven't finished Kimmy Schmidt yet. Yeah. Which I'm disappointed because I really like that show. 